Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a at a point right now where they're I think clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history, uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sun Belt these days. Uh, good evening from a Wednesday podcast of the Sun Belt Podcast. I'm sorry, the Fun Belt Podcast. This is our first Wednesday recording that we've had in some time, getting back in the football mode. With me is Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record. Dusty Thibodeau will be joining us for some of the interviews that we have in store. We've got a really big show today. Let me tell you something, Shane. You know who's on the show today? I, I know who's on the show today. It's, no, you don't. Several you got to pretend you don't know. You don't <clears throat> I gotta know. I got to pretend it's I don't. Okay. Brand new news to you. I'll pretend like I wasn't sitting in on some of the interviews. <laughs> today. We, we, all right, on this show, the interviews that we are going to have are going to blow your mind. We start off with Old Dominion's women's soccer head coach, Angie Hine. Old Dominion ranked number one in the preseason to totally dominate the Sun Belt. She is on the show, Shane. Yeah, they should. ODU soccer, it's a pretty big deal right now. They're, yeah, uh, yeah. almost, yeah, little, almost I, had a big I, upset in the NCAA tournament last year, and they come yes. in the favorites this year. It's, plenty to talk about with her you know here's here's my thing about soccer shane is that me growing up in arkansas soccer was was considered not just a a foreign sport like something you'd see in england or in mexico it was considered a yankee sport it was like ah that's that's a sport that happens up north if you didn't play baseball if you didn't play football if you didn't play hoops you weren't playing any sports i am so happy to see soccer finally getting a big foothold in the South and the Sun Belt women's uh, soccer programs really taking off. So I'm really I'm, excited to hear from Angie. I'm the same way. I grew up in rural Kansas. And like you said, it was, you know, yeah. football, basketball, baseball track. Those were your options. Like, yeah. and <clears throat> yeah. And it's cool. I'm, I'm still not an expert on soccer by any means, but <laughs> no. I, but it's one it's another sport where the college atmosphere is great like you go to some of these games and like the kids on campus get into it and, and you know jmu the greek houses sometimes get into the games and organize things and um when there's a ranked team coming to town it's usually like a really fun atmosphere even if you're not like a big soccer guy yeah you know at arkansas state it took a while for that women's team to build and become a competitive team. And it really flew beneath the radar. Last couple of years, they've won a couple regular season Sunbelt titles. We're very excited about soccer at Arkansas State. We've had some very good athletes come through there. So again, having the preseason favorite on the show to shed a little bit of light, that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. But following Angie, we have another Sunbelt legend. Do you know who it is? Can you even guess? I'll let you tell me because I'm not. No, you don't you. know because okay, you, <laughs> you have no know. idea. This guy took over a program that for like maybe eight seasons never had a winning season. It was probably 
I, I don't want to say it, it, this was even before they joined the Sun Belt. It was just not a good program for basketball. Dustin Kern, head coach for Appalachian State, joins us on the show, talks a little bit about the revival of Appalachian State football. He talks a little bit about how he engages with the uh, with the student body, and he discusses his trip to Bermuda and what he learned about his team and, and maybe ultimately about himself. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing that one. I didn't <laughs> because like, yeah, I, I had no clue. No, maybe, maybe I had a clue, but I missed the interview or maybe that's the truth, but uh, I am looking forward to that one. Cause yeah, Appalachian state basketball, it's been, it's been impressive what they've done considering that was sort of like the ultimate football school for a long time. It's still a great football school but people are starting to pay a little attention to the basketball program because of what he's done there. I think that's what, what, what helps when you join, when you move up a conference is that there is some ability to, to, you get, you get maybe some extra funding, you get a little extra spotlight and you're able to focus on some of these other programs. And that's exactly what's happened at Appalachian state. I mean, Appalachian state basketball, that used to be an easy win. Now, they were the 2020 regular season champions. They competed well in 2021. They have that stiff, stifling defense. I, I hate when the Red Wolves play <laughs> Appalachian State because the defense is so tough. So I'm really looking forward to that interview. He, he's a great interview. He was fun to have on. But let me tell you about our last guest. Do you have any idea who it is? You tell me. I think it's somebody you know pretty well. You could not possibly guess who our next guest is going to be. This is a sports director for probably the premier news channel in Northeast Arkansas. K-A-I-T, K-A-I-T Channel 8. He is a sports director. Chris Hutchinson is going to join us. We're going to talk Red Wolves. We're going to talk about a team that last year went 2-10. and 10. Can this team improve upon that? Chris is on the ground almost every day, checking out practice, interviewing players, checking in on the coach. We're going to find out what he knows. We're going to shake down Chris and find out every piece of knowledge he has in his possession about Arkansas State. Sounds good. We need to learn about Arkansas State out here. You guys are still a little foreign to us. It's a, it's a long way, <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> That's so funny, you know, like, like ODU, that is my mystery team. I have no idea who they are, where they come from, what they're about. And then I guess you guys way there on the East Coast are like, who are these outliers in the middle of America? Who are these guys? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to learn a little something. So, Shane, speaking of some of the new guys, Fun Belt Podcast on our favorite platform, Twitter, put out a poll. And the poll was... Essentially, let me see what how we put it. Which Sun Belt newbie will surprise the hell out of us in 2022? And so far, it's been overwhelmingly Southern Miss. Why do you think that is, Shane? Why are the fans thinking Southern Miss is the program that's going to surprise us? To me, it's because Southern Miss has plenty of room to improve. And they had so much bad luck last year. And... You know, they're high on their young quarterback. Yeah. They've got a great running back. Maybe they can be a lot better. I'm not necessarily expecting huge things out of them, but, uh -huh. you know, 
<clears throat> you look at the other, you know, you're you're comparing them to the other newbies. Marshall's really only go surprise if they're bad. Like if they're pretty good, that's not yeah. a surprise. Uh-huh. JMU and ODU both could kind of go either way. So nothing's really surprised with them. So Southern Miss kind of has just has that like room to surprise compared to some of the other schools, I feel like. And in a lot of ways, you know, they're kind of in the catbird seat in that, you know, they're new. They didn't have a great season last year. They have a brand new head coach. They're they're rebuilding on the defense and the offense. They're doing great at recruiting. They don't have to have a good year. You know, they just have to be um, competent, engage their fans, show some promise. And then they're in like play. So, Jeremy, all of our focus on the good old football field as Sunbelt Conference football action begins here in just about a month. Yeah, but it's football season. It's also football season as the women will be taken to the pitch here sooner than later. Yes. And, and you know what? One of, Go ahead. One of, one of our newcomers, mm-hmm. they are, they're already dominating the East because the old Dominion <laughs> Monarchs are picked to win the East, hands down. I, I might add. And so we have Angie Hine on the phone with us to talk about her Monarchs program. Welcome in, Angie. Hi, hi, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Angie, welcome to the program. We, we love having citizens from the Sunbelt come. You're a new citizen to the Sunbelt. And my first question to you is, is, is how does it feel having been in Conference USA for a while? getting to know those programs, coming to understand how they play and where they're from and what they do. And now you're in a whole new conference having to relearn the whole, the whole schedule. Yeah. And a word is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just, we just thought everything was going good and we figured it all out. And then now we have a new challenge, but it's an exciting challenge. And in all fairness, we're, we're very excited to join this conference um certainly any interaction that I've had with anyone from it so far has been completely professional. You know, we, we know a little bit about some of the teams that are we'll be facing. Um obviously you don't know that much until you face them yourself and really get into the scouting of it. But yeah, we're really excited. Obviously we had a, a great year last year, but as as myself and our team are very aware that's history. You know, um, tomorrow's a mystery. So we, we have to try and figure it out, you know. So, yeah, you said you had a successful year. You pretty much dominated Conference USA. Then you had this epic game in the NCAA tournament with Duke. A defensive struggle ended up being a one to zero matchup after not a last minute, but a last couple minute goal from Duke. How does the team get back from that? How's the team come so close to to uh, to uh, ultimate success? How does it feel to kind of try to bring bring that uh, success success back for twenty twenty two? Yeah, I mean it, it's a good question, but I have to be honest. We, we're so different this year from last year, and last year was fantastic. You know, it's just one of those moments where everything comes together, and you know we get to play our way and. You know, we, we stay healthy and, you know, I just thought we went from strength to strength, really. We were deep and we were talented and so everything went went well. And then until the last 16 seconds against Duke, it actually was. So, okay. um, 
but yeah that was yeah you know we're getting all ready and i, I don't mind sharing but we're, I'm on the, my notepad with about a minute to go, and I'm like, right, okay, we're going to go overtime. So <laughs> they were beginning to really put pressure on us, and I thought, we're not going to do this any longer. We're just going to go for it. So we really were going to line ourselves up and get at them in the first period of overtime and just throw everything that we had at them because our backs were getting a little bit tired, obviously. Um, and I'm writing all up, and okay, this is what we're doing. And then they get a free kick, and then it hits the back of the net, and it's you know, game over. So it's a, yeah, it's a difficult way to end the season for sure. But I mean, I think the players and everyone around were just so, so impressed by everything that we achieved. And, you know, Duke are a fantastic team. I have so, so much respect for Robbie Church and what he does there. So, um, and then we come in this year and we're nothing like we were last year. So that that's life as a college coach. Sometimes you got to try and figure out the puzzle every year. A big part of your team coming back, though, and Casey Perry, she was the Conference USA goalkeeper of the year last year, preseason goalkeeper of the year this year. How big is she as you kind of make this transition into the new league? Yeah, well, she's 5'10", so there you go. That's how big she is. <laughs> but, yeah, she's she's important for us. Um, but I have to say, you know, every player that plays for us, you know, we know this and we talk about it all the time that we're a team and – you know, one, one player doesn't make us. So uh, we've got a lot of talent. You know, we've got a lot of new guys that have to, we've got to figure some things out as well. But, you know, Casey's done fantastically well. And, and from where she came from to where she is now is an absolute testament to her character. Um, so so it's great to have her back. You know, we actually have two other talented keepers. So there's competition and you know, there's that edge every day, and I think that keeps them fresh. But, yeah, we're, we're excited to have Casey. There's no doubt she, she did some special things last year. You're bringing over several Conference USA teams uh, with you. What can you tell us about those other teams as they come into the league? Yeah, I mean, um, Southern Mess are a very good team. We obviously were, were fortunate to beat them in the final, and it was a close game. And I have a, a lot of respect for what Mo does down there because he has – a good blend of, you know, internationals and, and good U.S. players and, and they play soccer. And I, and I really respect that. So they're a very good program. Obviously, Marshall, you know, they, they're on the way up. He's, he's had to build a lot there. So um, I know they've been working hard and I'm sure Michael will have them organized and, and you know, kind of ready to step up. So, so I mean, there'll be good teams. They'll add to the conference, I think, but the conference is already strong. So I, I was wondering, you know, that now that you've gotten into the new conference with the Sun Belt, are there certain Sun Belt teams that have caught your eye that you're like almost circled the, the, the calendar said, we got to beat these people. We got to get those people. Is there anybody that really has caught your attention? Um, well, I guess as a side note, we at last have a team in our conference that are in our state, you know, like GMU, <laughs> which is it's nice. Our fans down here are screaming for a local rivalry, you know, like North Texas, as much as it might be a rivalry for us on the field, it doesn't resonate the same with our community, you know. Uh -huh. um, so so that's one. I mean, I think that's nice. And I'm sure GMU feel the same. You know, it's nice to have that rivalry in conference. Um, obviously, South Alabama, the two Georgia sides have done very well. Um, so, I, I mean, we, we're aware of what they've done, but... I think until you're able to sit and look at the tools that you have within your own team, 
and then begin to look at what you're going to face, I think that's that's really when you figure out what's a good matchup for you and what might be tricky. And and that's kind of where we need to to get to, you know, when we begin to really analyze these programs. So I wonder that, is there any, like, would you have rather to have come a little bit beneath the radar uh, coming into the new conference <laughs> rather than immediately being picked as the number one threat to win? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, and you can tell by my accent, I'm not from Texas, you know, and in Scotland, we're used to being the underdogs. Uh, and so... It's funny when I told my dad that he's like, "Oh my god, that's the worst." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Um, but you know, it, it, I, I guess all you can say is it's just respect for what we did last year. You know, every year's really different, so we're, we're not putting too much weight into it. And um, I know we we honestly haven't even talked about it with the team, so that's how much we we really carry that. It's just it's just a mark of respect, I think, for what we did last year. We don't see it as anything else, but. But yeah, I don't know how I felt when I seen that. I'm like, nah, that's not my style at all. <laughs> oh, come on, coach. I mean, you voted in the poll. Surely you voted for yourself there on the East. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. We never do that. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Shane, you got anything? Yeah, um, I guess, you know, you, you talked about the JMU rivalry a little bit, people being excited about that. They were picked right behind you in the East. What do you kind of expect from that rivalry in the competition when you meet them on the field? Yeah, well, we played them twice in the spring and twice they beat us. So um, so I think we had an early look at that. Um, and I think they're a soccer playing team. And I can't state that enough. I, I, think, I think that's one of the things that I hope um, this conference will, will, will give us a little bit more of. You know, we, we had a lot of programs that we competed against in Conference USA that were pretty direct. Um, and, and we want to we want to play. Um, so I think GMU and us want to do similar things. And I think it'll be a, a real good game of soccer, I have to say, and good players on show. And um, that's what we expect. Maybe a little bit strategic, maybe a little bit more tactical in some games. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I always have a big amount of respect for coaches that want their teams to play. Uh, it's just everyone has their own style and their philosophy. And, and I just tend to hold those programs a little bit higher in, in regard. And, and I know that GMU will be one that um, will be a good soccer game for sure. Yeah, shit. I'm really, I'm really pumped for what the Sun Belt has done <clears throat> restructuring or not restructuring, just structuring in general, the conference, putting together these sort of regional rivalries. And our, our focus has been football, but really it's with every single sport. And to see JMU and Old Dominion sort of on the top in the East automatically right away being contenders is pretty cool. Yeah, they, they've only played twice in football. So that rivalry isn't quite as deep as it goes mm -hmm. back in other sports where – you know, it's really every other sport where, you know, talk about women's basketball or field hockey or, you know, it's going to be great on the soccer pitch, too, this year. Um, you know, I don't know if that's the way that everybody feels in, in Norfolk, but, you know, in Harrisonburg, people are really looking forward to year round when it comes to ODU. Yeah, of course. I, I, you're right. I mean, it's it, it, it's you want to you want to get your community excited and nothing gets your community and fan base, which mm. we happen to have a lot of 
more excited than coming to see a local game. There's no doubt about it. Coach, thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time, giving us a little education on ODU. I know that, you know, the Sun Belt's new to you, but Old Dominion's new to us. So it's great to have <laughs> you on board and give us a bit, bit of inside knowledge. And we wish you the best of luck in that very competitive East, Eastern Division. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. It's been nice to talk to you guys. Thank you. Jeremy, you know, in football, defense wins uh -huh. championships. Absolutely. And while it hasn't yet led to a title, well, actually it did in 2020, but we always put the asterisk on that season. Defense wins championships at basketball as well. And when you Absolutely. think of, when you think of defensive basketball, what school do you think of? <sighs> defensive basketball, you know, Princeton. I think of Princeton sometimes. No, that would be the Princeton offense, not the Princeton defense that they're known for. Okay, okay. That I guess the only other school that I can think of when it comes to like hard nosed, under the basket, smothering defense, it might be Appalachian State. That is correct. I agree wholeheartedly with that. And the man that leads that what? Mountaineers coming into his fourth season. Is he here? Dustin Kearns joins us to talk about that Mountaineer defense as well as the upcoming program. Welcome in there, Coach. Well, thanks, guys, for having me. It's great to be here. I, you know, all offseason, we've been trying to shift the shift the narrative here. We're spending all offseason on offense. I want, I want to be about offense now. We're just trying to score. We're not going to guard anybody. You know, we were just talking to your SID, and I know I'm jumping the ship a little bit, Tibbs, but during your trip to the Bahamas, your SID made a, a – a, a, a stunning revelation to us. 111 points in one of the games? Well, I tell you what happened. Uh, FIBA rules, 24-second shot clock helped that. You got a lot more possessions, and um, and, and certainly we, just, we we made some shots. I mean, I'm, we're, I'm a lot better coach when those uh, shots go in. Aren't we all? But, but Coach, on that note, I mean, you've got to replace your leading scorer from last year. I know that we, we always talk about Mountaineer defense, but uh, – Adrian Delph was, was really the man last year, averaging about 17 points. How do you kind of go about adjusting that offense for this upcoming season? Yeah, good question. You know, I think that we had a lot of good scores in, in Delph and Almonacy and in Forrest as well, 4,000 points and, you know, 2,000 points, so over 4,000 combined. But, you know, I think that's probably just the nature of college athletics. I think that we're all each year going to be – you know, faced with with new identities, new teams, and as and our job as coaches are, are to, you know, figure those out. What's what's best for this team, and and certainly we got a, a an opportunity to go to the Bahamas, which helped, you know, with seven new guys and just you know trying to mesh some things together and figure out this team. But you know, we lost some really good pieces, but I think that you know hopefully we're in a, a situation, a program where we can you know just continue to build on what we have here. A big guy from last year that does return, though, Donovan Gregg, averaged about 11 points last year. Do you see him kind of stepping up into that senior leadership role, or do you feel that there's some other guys that are that are maybe going to push him out of the way for that role? No, certainly we feel that with Donovan. Donovan is a is a you know a, a Swiss Army knife. Uh, he, he you know kind of provides like a Draymond Green type role for us. He's he's a playmaker. Or he's a he's a he, he you know he had a, let us an assist. You know, and so like he's just, you know, a 
does a little bit of everything. You know, he had a stat line a couple of years ago. I think he had 12 rebounds, eight steals, and nine assists. I mean, he almost had a triple-double without points, which is unbelievable. And um, But, you know, obviously he's a guy that's been in our program now going on his fourth year. Um, he's got a chance to be, you know, one of our all-time winningest players, um, even with some shortened seasons. And so, you know, he won state championships in high school. He's just the guy that impacts winning. And so certainly that uh, w- w- would help with being the leader as well. One of my favorite coaches of all time was Mike McConley at Northwestern State in Louisiana. You got one of his his prized possessions there of Carvel Teasley when he retired. What does he bring to the table with that kind of D1 experience coming in, knowing that you have to replace so many pieces? You know what? And ironically, Carvel was, uh, you know, Adrian Delph. We supported him through the NBA draft process and then sort of threw us a curveball there at the at the end and decided to stay in the draft, which we 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 want that for all of our players. We want to help them pursue their dreams. And and Adrian is a phenomenal kid and was a phenomenal player here and, and gave us four years. And so we were wishing to, however, I'm saying that in a sense, like that's where we found Carvel. All right, we need to go out and find, identify a guy that can really make shots. Carvel is a guy that can, is a, is a high level shot, shot maker. Fortunately, he was still available. I think he averaged 13 a game there at Northwestern state. And so um, that's where we found Carvel is we need to go out and, and get another guard that can make shots and, and uh, certainly Carvel can do that. All these pieces coming together. Y'all recently took a road trip to the Bahamas. Jeremy, he didn't invite us. Uh, do we keep talking to him when he didn't invite us? I, you know what? Here's the thing. We were hoping we would get invited. We even packed some bags. We, we had some. We, we didn't buy tickets because we wanted those tickets comped. The invitation never came. I've gotten over it. You know, I don't know if you have, Dusty. Come on. I needed the sun. But anyway, coach, you went to the Bahamas. You look great there, nice and bronzed, but put in some work there in the gym. How was that that road trip there to kind of figure out what your team's going to look like whenever you break camp? Well, I'm gonna blame it on Peyton. Peyton was supposed to invite you guys. We had uh, we had we had you know some beer ready for you. You know some some rum cake. We had we had some things like that ready for you. Some conch fritters, um, but. Uh, I'll blame, you know, somehow that invitation got lost, but we did send it. Um, You know, this is something the NCAA allows you to do, you know, every five years. And this was a, this is a trip ironically that was supposed to happen a couple of years ago that kept getting pushed back. And and it actually ended up getting pushed back for probably the best for us having so many new players. Um, Tremendous experience. We gave a clinic for kids um on harbor island uh obviously you you get the team bonding out of it um and then you also get the game experience and what i love is the 10 practices to kind of experiment with some things to obviously you're playing fever rules so it's 24 second shot clock there's some different things there um but it allows you as a coach with new guys to kind of maybe tweak some things look at some things look at some different lineups and so you know, it was really, really good in the sense of uh, the practices, the bonding. Uh, certainly we won the games, but it really wasn't about the games as much as, um, you know, the experience together and and, and 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 this getting on the court in an earlier time. Typically, we don't start that early, uh, but to be able to get those 10 practices and to kind of 
go against somebody else with officials and things like that was really, really beneficial. You know, I know the Bahamas isn't known for its basketball, but did you see anybody from the opposing team that you thought, man, these guys, this guy could really do something at Appalachian State? Well, you know, I didn't, we didn't evaluate it that hard other than we did play against some, some former uh, college players that are still playing professionally. And so um, there, there were some, some good players and, and, and some older guys and we played against some grown men there. One, one of the guys is, he played, he played division one basketball. And he told me after the game that he's going on year 17 as a pro. And, um, you know, I think he even played on their Olympic team. Uh, I know he had on Rio 2016 shirt before the game. And so like, we, we, we were able to play against some athletic, uh, big grown men. And so we able, we were able to get some things out of it. And then obviously playing 24 second shot clock is different, but you know, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked the extra possessions and um, the quicker possessions, and it was good. Really, really great experience. Um, once again, we were we were the second Division One team to ever give a clinic for uh, the kids on Harbor Island, and so we spent an hour with the kids. We gave Map State T-shirts, and you know, first team in I think five years. So these kids, uh, there's only 2,600 people that live on that island. Only 500 kids. And so um, I know if there's a future player on that island one day, I know which schools he's going to call first (laughs) where he's got that App State T-shirt. But just a great experience. Gives our guys some perspective. Um, You know, Dusty, Jeremy, you know, it was a great experience in the sense like our guys got to see like those kids can't play basketball unless it's sun out. They don't have a gym. It's an outdoor court. And so like – it's just great perspective, you know, that like even simple as cold water, sometimes our guys take for, for granted. And and so like, especially, uh, you know, playing indoors. And so great perspective, great experience. Um, and uh, we're very, very fortunate and thankful for, you know, our chancellor and athletic director for allowing us opportunity to go. So with all the talk of the, of the, the players, the team, you also got a new coach this year and a former player, Tevin Baskin, coming back. What does he add to the mix coming with that SEC experience being at Mississippi State? Yeah, Tevin's been great. Um, you know, I had the same size of staff that we came with for Presbyterian. And it was just, a you know, something offseason like, hey, we just need some more people. And I think from a, from a comparative Sunbelt staffs, Sunbelt staffs, um, you know, we just were, we were at the, probably the bottom as far as size wise. And so thankful for athletic director and chancellor for approving a new position. And, and so now we've got a new full-time coach, Tevin Baskin played here, uh, graduated here. Uh, so does his fiance went to school here. And so having a former player back on staff's a big deal. Now they can sit in recruiting meetings and say, listen, I came to school here. I loved it here. Um, he can relate with the players. Hey, I've been through it. I, I stayed in that dorm, et cetera. And so that was important for me to find, identify someone as we were able to, to create a new position uh, that was a fit for us and, and what we were trying to do at App State. He had great experiences at Mississippi State. And so, um, you know, hiring a guy from the SEC and, and, and just bringing some new ideas and new perspectives has been really good as well. You know, one thing, uh, uh, that I, I really took note last year. I, I, I didn't take note before. 
was your interaction with the fan base when you have games at Appalachian State. They just seem, that seems like the the, Appalachian State truly does have a six man on the court uh, when, when you play home games in Boone. How, how did you develop that rapport with the fans? You know, that's a great question. I just, I just think engagement's in, in, important. I think we, we all as coaches talk about, you know, getting the students and, you know, coming to the games and we need this great crowd. And, but it just takes more than just saying that. Like you just can't say, hey, let's, we got a game tonight, come to the game. Um, I think there's got to be, you know, real true engagement. And I've been on campus speaking to these kids and, and going out and, you know, my first year I took a microphone, microphone in the, in the, in the cafeteria and was stood on a table. And I just think you gotta be a little, you gotta be a little crazy. You gotta be a little outside the box. It just can't be about putting a sign up outside that says game tonight. And so like today, like relationships, like, going and spending time with the, the with the fraternities and the sororities and things like that. And so I've actually got to know some of them. Like I know their names. Nice. And, and, and so like, once again, like I've tried to not let it be a facade, like, Hey, listen, we're going to truly, truly um, immerse ourselves in this. And, and I went and I showed them film. I went and, 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 and I met with these students groups and I showed them film of other I'm not going to mention who of other basketball student section crazy people, and and how it's really developed a brand, and how sometimes you think about a school associated with their student section, and how that they had an opportunity to change the narrative here because when we got here there was no student section, and that's not a disrespect or anything. It's just the facts, right? There was, and so I showed them that and said, like, hey, you've got a chance to change the narrative. Like, you've got a chance to kind of be the pioneers of, 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 of creating this new new environment with App State basketball and maybe getting a name that, that carries on and somebody labels you guys as this group of, you know, you know, Mountaineers menace or whatever it may be. You've got a chance to kind of create something of your own and your own little brand. And they you know what they embraced it, and so therefore, in return, I go back each game and embrace them because it has been a big difference. It has been, and, you know and I th- I've had opposing coaches say, "Man, we used to come up to App State, and now it's different." It, yeah. Like in a sense, from an atmosphere, from a student section, um, and when 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 opposing coaches have gone to a press conference or something and talked about our student section. We send that to them and they look, look what you did. And, um, and so it just, it, it's just something that I just felt like as we were trying to change the perception of eight straight losing seasons when I got here, change the flush out a lot of just a different mentality. It, it's got to, you got to kind of rally the troops and, and, and really put the feet on the ground. Like I said, you can't just be a tweet, hey, Come to the game tonight. I just don't think that really works. Um, but getting up on campus and, and going around speaking to people and then truly engaging, I think, has has really been the true goal. How far will you go though to to get these these students? Are you willing to strap on the uniform 
and, and coach a game in uniform. God. I mean, baseball, baseball coaches do it. So, yeah, I haven't had that idea presented to me. However, if you look back last year at a football game, I put on overhauls and I got in the student section at the football game. You could go back and look, and the kids loved it. I mean, I'm right there, front row football game with my yellow overhauls on and, um, and hanging out the whole, you know, the football game. And that was, I did do that. That did present, that, that was an idea presented to me that I did do. I have not been presented with an idea to coach in a basketball uniform. Well, we'll, we'll pass along the specs to that idea to Peyton and maybe he can go ahead and, and, and work something up for you. But you know, what's the one thing that really drives the students that really gets them out is winning. And you guys have been doing that for the last few seasons. And it's been great for Appalachian State. But on the whole, for the Sun Belt, the Sun Belt has struggled a little bit with basketball. The baseball uh, baseball has done very well. Football has done very well. Sun Belt's still trying to find its footing. What do you think the Sun Belt needs to do to, to make that next step, to make that, that leap to what you had said earlier about having two teams in the NCAA tournament? Jeremy, I think it's real. It's just in my opinion, and I'm not saying I'm right. I just think in basketball, we've got to get more visibility on television. You know, I think that one thing that football has done a tremendous job of is every single week we're on ESPN on a Wednesday night, a Thursday night, a Tuesday night. And that's powerful. And it's national and it's really helped recruiting. It's helped the visibility. It's helped us. It's helped us help the league. And so how many times on an ESPNU have you seen South Alabama at Georgia State basketball? About zero. I think zero might be. Might be and I'm not saying that as a, as a, you know, I don't want that to be as a, uh, a negative to the league. I'm just saying, like, we've got to get more games on television. And I think that if our league can get more visibility because a Louisiana and Troy – a Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern, like Marshall and Old Dominion, like those are great games. Whether it's CBA College, CBS College Sports, was ESPNU, but once again, our football has been on ESPN two, ESPN. I mean, it is the mothership, right? And so, like that has helped recruiting. It's helped people talking about the Sun Belt, which helps. And so now, if you've got, you know, Texas State. Um, you know, versus an Arkansas State on 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 ESPNU, you might have a Fran Fricella talking about it. Now it's in the studio, and that helps recruiting. That helps everything, right? But I just don't think like I think we've got a great, great league. I mean, holy smokes! The last thing I want to do right now is think about some about basketball because it, it it makes my stomach hurt. It makes my heart burn. Like this is. This is one of the most competitive leagues in the country. In fact, if you look at it statistically, uh, I know two years ago we were the third most competitive league out of 32, which means there's third, there's more close games. There's only two more leagues where there's more close games in the country. And so, like, it's not a fun league to coach in. It's a, it's a, it's, but, but my point is there's exciting games. Like, there are great games, but people aren't watching them. And, and yes, ESPN Plus is great, but I just think, like, if somehow our league could get maybe 10 to 12, um, whether it's a Thursday night ESPNU game, 
I definitely, without question, think that our league would grow. And now we're now we're getting more visibility. Now we're getting better recruits. Um, now we're getting more people talking about some about basketball because some about football is on ESPN all the time. And so, that that's just my opinion. I think we've got to get on TV more. Whatever, 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 whatever we've got to do to get on TV. Whether it's play on Friday nights, whether it's I don't know the answer, right? And that's not a criticism to anybody. I'm just saying that's my opinion. Our league's got to get on TV more. You know, Coach Kearns, I think you you, you kind of touched on it. The one of the things the Sun Belt has done really well in the last couple, especially in this in terms of uh, this 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 uh, realignment and getting new teams in is that they've really focused on rivalry. And I think rivalry is something that really gets fans in the seats, but also potentially <laughs> moves us to that ESPNU or ESPN time slot that you really want. What do you think of the new programs that have come in in terms of rivalry? What does that do for Appalachian State? Oh, I think it does a lot for everybody. But, I mean, think about James Madison, Old Dominion. Those are two great programs, two great coaches. Uh, us and Marshall, which is a which is a long, long between our fan bases and and being in the Southern Conference together, now we're back in the summer. I'm like, think about Marshall and App State on a Thursday night, ESPNU, or like a James Madison Old Dominion, or an Old Dominion Coastal Carolina, or Georgia Southern Georgia State. Like, I could keep going. South Al Troy, you know, uh, you know, Texas State, Louisiana, you know, Monroe and Arkansas. Like, I could keep going, right? Southern Miss now. You know, like, I just think that, there is incredible opportunity, like you say, to like, I think it'll help all of our attendance too. You know, I, I just think like now we've got some more regional teams. Our fans are a little bit more familiar with that. It's going to help our attendance. And, um, you know, I remember being at the app state Marshall football game last year and they, they were not in the Sun Belt, and it was electric. It was incredible because while wow, Marshall and app state are planning it, well, now we're going to get to see that every year. And so I think that that can be a trickle down into basketball. And um, I just think that we've, we've got an opportunity. We've got a window here. And, uh, and and hopefully we can get on TV more. So it seems like the, the biggest thing, though, for basketball to really propel themselves, you got to win the games. You have a pretty tough non-conference schedule there going to Louisville, to Charlotte, and to Wake Forest. Is, is is that a schedule that you like or or is it one that you feel that you need to play to be able to compete in? I thought we were going to talk about landing the sun, the sun, you know, the Bahamas games, <laughs> the, the scoring 111 points. I, now you got me having anxiety thinking about Louisville and Wake Forest and all these other teams that I don't really want to play. I um, guess. <laughs> you know what? I, I just think it's the, the pool we're swimming in. And I, I just think that, we always want to play a great competitive non-conference schedule. Last season, we played the 26th toughest non-conference schedule. It was the hardest non-conference schedule in the Sun Belt. Um, but, like, it prepared us for the league and uh, when we finished second. But this year, I just think you've got to know your team. We've got a lot of new faces. It's like, it's like a freshman moving in right now. They don't need to be put in AP biology and calculus, right? I just think, like, We've got new guys like there was some, um, you know, opportunities that presented themselves regionally that we're always going to play Charlotte. We've renewed it with East Tennessee State, which is always a tremendous program, a well-coached program. And then 
you know, Charlotte is, is, is done well. And so, you know, those are games that really make sense for us. Um, you know, what App State and Wake Forest hasn't played since 2005, correct me if I'm wrong. I give that credit to Steve Forbes. Um, you know, they reached out and, and we got an opportunity to go down to Winston-Salem, which will be just great in this area. Uh, you know, we got invited to play in Phoenix, Arizona. And so just trying to keep raising the profile of App State basketball, how do you do that? One of the reasons, one of the ways you do it is you play in big games on national television. And you, you can't win those games unless you play them. And so, like, that that's the that's the philosophy about it, too. Like, going to Louisville, that's, that's one of the most storied programs in the country. Well, you can't beat Louisville unless you play them. And so, like, we're, we're, we're going to always go play those sort of games and, and, and try to raise the profile of our program and get on TV. Like, we're going to Phoenix and playing in the Jerry Colangelo Classic in an NBA arena. So now I can go to recruiting and be like, hey, we're playing in NBA arenas on, on neutral site TV type games. And so, um, you know, just trying to keep using these opportunities to raise the profile of our program and, um, and be visible, TV opportunities. Uh, but, but, you know, it's another really, really challenging schedule. It is the most home games in program history. And that's been a lot of hard work for the staff in the sense like I think many people don't realize just how hard it is for the Sunbelt teams to get home games because some of us are landlocked. Some of us are not in easy, accessible areas. And so when you're dealing with other teams tr trying to travel and come play, uh, that's a factor. Well, it's a hard place to get, you know. And so, like, I think we all kind of experience that to that extent. And I think we're all good. Like, listen, this this is this league. There's 14 really good teams, and I, I, there's 14 really good coaches. And I just think that we're we're not a a, a, a league and level that people are just kind of seeking out and playing. And so I just think we're swimming in a new pool as a league, you know, scheduling wise. Um, but also, I'm you know excited about just you know where our league's going. I, I think our league can, 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 is, is moving in the right direction from a basketball standpoint, for sure. I leave you with the word of warning there, coach. I saw that you have Campbell. The five <laughs> camels were undefeated against the Sunbelt last year. It's up to you. You've got to, to restore our face. dignity. <laughs> I didn't want to hear that statistic. <laughs> but, but all the games were in making, so you'll be the first to host them. Well, you know, they do a great job. We're, we're fortunate to host our own little MTE up here. And, and, and shoot, Campbell does a really good job. We've got Kennesaw State returns like 85% of their scoring. And then Southeast Louisiana, um, you know, comes up. And they, they, got, they were in the postseason last year and really played – they played South Alabama postseason. like there's some really good opportunities for us. We've got North Coast. we got Furman, who we picked to win the league. Um, and so – you know, really, really good, tough, challenging non-conference season. But I'm trying to just enjoy my week here and catch up on some things. And and instead, now I've got heartburn. Now I've got to have to go down to the training room here. And, you know, I've got a headache and because I'm now starting to think about that non-conference schedule in the Sunbelt League. Well, we'll send you a a, a tube of uh, Fun Belt podcast branded Tums. And then you can... <laughs> You can move I want to need those. Then. Thank you. Most podcasts have T-shirts, huggies. We have tongues. <laughs> I, I, I greatly appreciate it.
Coach, we, we thank you so much for joining us. Always a fun time. Looking forward to uh, seeing you sometime this, during this season to catch up and then uh, hopefully down in Pensacola as well. Well, thanks for having me on. I, I, I want to say this, you know, Dusty, Jeremy, like thanks to you all. You know, like when we talk about promoting the Sun Belt, it takes an army. It takes a group of people. It takes a village. And, and, and a lot of times now, some of the best talk and visibility is through social media or podcast to, to engage fans. And so, you know, your podcast or, or Twitter or things like that, or, or social media, you know, gains followers, things like that. Well, that just helps the conference. And so like, thanks for y'all for doing this, promoting the league and, 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 and engaging and, and, and getting people excited. And I just think like, we, you talk about like what can help like you guys are helping it and then now we just got to keep getting more stuff like this and and then all of a sudden like you get the sec network and all that like all that stuff started with guys like yourself and it just kind of evolved into holy smokes we got so much attention for this let's start our own network well now that's really a big thing so like thanks to you guys uh always a pleasure and uh whatever you need me to uh to do uh let us know up here on the mountain he called me the fine bomb of the fun belt. I love it. <laughs>
you're kind of seeing it in play in action on the field, and then you're kind of seeing exactly what he's talking about, where there was not a lot of competitive depth on both sides of the ball, where if anybody got hurt from the ones, the twos and threes, there were a lot of questions there, and you weren't really sure what you would have. So now you're having a lot of more depth. The best-case example is the running back room, where a couple years ago, Marcel Murray was an all-sun belt running back before his injury troubles. Yep. Now he's probably the number three running back in that room right now because you have Brian Snead coming in from Austin P and Ohio State. You have Johnny Lang in that rotation. He's probably going to be the return specialist for the Red Wolves. And then you have Marcel Murray where a couple years ago he's one of the best running backs as a freshman in the conference, and now he's fighting for minutes. So if you're seeing well-established guys – Fighting for minutes, there's a great sign. There's a whole lot more depth for the Red Wolves now compared to a year ago. Yeah, and I agree. There's a lot of depth in running back, and there's pretty good depth at wide receiver, although not a lot of height. And there's fairly good depth at quarterback. But where do you see uh, A-State maybe maybe not having the depth that it needs? Honestly, the biggest question I want to see is the offensive line because we know there's some guys there like McKeelan Thomas, who played right away as a true freshman, he's going to get plenty of minutes in that line. You've got Ethan Miner that's going to get plenty of minutes on the offensive line, but it's who are the rest of the guys? Like, I know you have Jordan Rhodes there coming in from Ole Miss who's probably going to play right away, but besides that, I have no idea who the that rest of that starting five is going to be, and if not just that, six through ten. So that's going to be my big question going into the year is, Okay, do you have your 10 guys on offensive line? Because ideally you want to rotate. You don't want to play that same start five all year. And let's be realistic, just with amounts of physicality involved, you're not going to have that same start in five from game one to game 12. And hopefully in the case of Arkansas State's case, a game third. Oh, wait, there you are. I think we got you back. Hello. Hey, I can hear you now. I'm sorry. (laughs) I think you you rolled over under a bridge or something. (laughs) We got most of that. All of a sudden, you just got cut off. Hey, Chris, so that's what worries me the most about that Ohio State game. It's not that we're going to get beat, which there's, a pretty, I guess, a 99.9% chance that we're going to get beat. It's that we're going to get hurt, and it's going to happen on the offensive line. What do you think about that? Okay. Uh, I guess my big two things in that game is, one, be as competitive for as long as possible, and number two, make sure nobody gets hurt, where – it, it, it kind of takes me back a little bit to last year when A-State had to go to Washington early on in the season, and it was just a rough four quarters all in all three phases. So the big thing I just want to see coming out of that Ohio State game is, one, be as competitive as possible. It kind of shows folks, hey, now granted, the scoreboard may not be the most optimal thing in the world, but can you show enough there against the number two team in the country to kind of show some positivity moving forward? So you discussed enhancing the depths so much from one year to the next. How did they go about doing that? Was I know it's a young team. Is this freshmen that are going to be right in the mix in the two deep? Or is there a lot of transfer portal going on there? How do they, how'd they get to where they are right now? The transfer portal, I think, has been Butch Jones's best friend since he arrived here at Arkansas State, where – I think this season alone, even just coming out of spring ball, I think they added about 14 guys from the transfer portal. And that's a mix of some Power 5 guys, a mix of G5 guys, and just guys from all over the place. So you blend that with the most successful recruiting class 
in program history coming in. And so that's been the cause of so much optimism. I'll just say it point blank period. I've never seen so much optimism coming out of a two win football program as I've ever seen with this group of Arkansas, with Arkansas state, with the fan base and the vibe from the coaching staff and the players. Usually if you see a two win team, you're coming back and you're thinking, okay, can we at least get to three, four, I would make a reasonable case that Arkansas State can get to six wins this year. It's reasonable. Well, and the schedule makes it reasonable. I mean, uh, A-State avoids a lot of the heavy hitters in the East, like Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State and Georgia State. So there is a lot of opportunity for Arkansas State to pick up some wins and and to get back to that six-game threshold. Chris, is there anybody on the f- practice field right now that you and Logan, your your partner in crime, have seen that has raised an eyebrow from you? I would say Champ Flemings, just coming out of the transfer portal. And, you know, we saw his game tape a little bit from looking at some Oregon State games, but you really weren't sure how he would blend in and mix in right away. And just seeing how many ways that you could be able to utilize Champ adds like another dimension to the offense where last year A-State was a very one-dimensional team. They couldn't really run the ball effectively, so it was just all passing game all the time, and it was feast or famine. Where feast, they were top 20 in the nation passing offense. Famine, they were bottom five in the nation in rushing. So adding a champ Fleming there, he can kind of get things there, adding another rushing element there. So that's something else there to watch offensively. And then defensively, moving Kevon Bennett kind of one level over to linebacker has been fascinating to watch just to see him kind of progress with that group. You know, you have Jordan Carmouche now in that linebacker room who came over from Houston. Just to see that element has been interesting to watch so far in camp. You talked about the optimism coming off a two and ten season. Are Arkansas State fans all in on Bush Jones right now? I know, you know, when you hire a big name like that and then the first year is a little bit of a struggle, you know, maybe sometimes people will jump off the bandwagon, but it seems like that's maybe not the case there. That's been another interesting case about this because like you see it and I see it on Twitter, but no, anything Butch Jones, you're going to have the Tennessee element come out to play. And for all intents and purposes, for folks that don't know, I am a Tennessee fan covering Butch Jones. So that's been pretty fascinating. And I was one of the few, I was one of the few Tennessee fans that was happy with how Butch Jones performed at Tennessee because he won. He developed players. Now there were players that didn't pan out the way we thought, but for the most part, he performed well considering who has been there after him and who's been there before him. So anytime we post anything Butch Jones related, we get, a mix of Tennessee fans just mad because they're still mad, and then a mix of A-State fans happy because there's optimism. And it's weird because, especially this time period, where you see so many coaches and so many players talk about the process, that it's kind of come numb to a lot of folks. In the case of Arkansas State fans, they have bought into the process all in on it. So them knowing when Butch showed up, that this was going to be a three to five year job of turning, of building the roster back up and to be back to a point where you're competing, not just for bowl bids, but competing for Sun Belt Division titles. So that's been the, the really fascinating case about this, where, you know, 
coach said at the very beginning where this is going to be a process of building this, and the fan base, to their credit, has understood it. Now, I don't think they expected a two-win year <laughs> one, but you saw enough there where it's like, okay, you have a quarterback, you have James Black, okay, you have guys on defense that can play. Now it's a matter of can you not get run off the field and can you it essentially – build offensive line, build a defense where you can now be in a whole lot more games. Because everybody looks at the schedule and you're looking at, okay, they won two games. There were several games that they should have won last year. And the biggest one I have circled was the Memphis game last year. <laughs> yeah. With a with – a, just a – if it was the defense from the final five, four or five games of last year, if it was that defense playing that night against Memphis, they would have won that game. Yeah, I think a lot of people have to have Memphis game circle. And you're right, Chris. I think most uh, Arkansas State fans knew what was happening with that roster of that last few years under Anderson, saw that that the size was going away, that the speed was going away, and that when Butch Jones came, he had a big job to do. And, yeah, I think a lot of people didn't want to see a 2-10 and 10 record, but the 2-10 and 10 record is something a price you pay for building up a program again. I think most people see see that hope in, in, in Butch Jones. I, I do have kind of a, a, a professional question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot, Hudge. I don't know if I've called myself a professional, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, been, you've been covering the Red Wolves forever, longer than I can even remember. Of all the coaches that have come through the last 10, 12 years, who is the most entertaining interviewer? Come on. I would say the I would say the most entertaining. I would honestly say Freeze because you really wasn't sure what he would like. It, it was a little bit of Freeze and a little bit of Anderson where yeah. I would ask a question and I have no idea where the answer is going. I may I know I'm going to get something, but I have no idea the the, the, the map we are going to weave to get to the to the end of that question. I have no idea. I would say it, it would generally be a tie between Freeze and Anderson, between both of them. Both of them were absolutely fascinating in a press conference setting because they were essentially an open book. Butch Jones has been the same way as well, but Anderson and Freeze were definitely as open book as it could get. I think the difference with Butch Jones, and I, I don't even think he would dispute this because I think he wears it like an armor. He, he's just so entrenched in coach speak, you know, the 110% – one day at a time kind of guy, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to, to penetrate that, but, uh, but sometimes I really think he believes it too. It is. <laughs> the first, a lot of it helped, you know, being a Tennessee fan and watching his press conferences over the years. So the first couple ones he had here at Arkansas state, I'm like, okay, he's saying a lot of the same stuff, but on the flip side, he really believes that like, that's really him where he is so, Laser focus. I think that's one of the most interesting differences between Butch Jones at Tennessee and Butch Jones at Arkansas State is he spent enough time at Alabama and understanding how the process truly works. Like we say that adage, how the sausage was made, he kind of saw how the sausage was made at Alabama and how the process really works, that he's kind of combined elements of that. So, yes, it's coach speak, but, but if you kind of delve a little bit further, 
there's a whole lot of elements at Alabama that he's talking about that he's trying to de- develop here at Arkansas State and build there. So it's a blend of coach speak and saving is how to describe it. Butch Jones talking <laughs> on the mic. Uh, Shane? No. Okay. So we got like a, I'll give you a 30,000 foot question. You were at Sunbelt Media Days. You know, you mingled with 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 everybody who was there. You got got feel of. And you of- too. Yeah, I mingled. <laughs> Mostly, I was nursing a hangover, but I mingled. No, uh, so, but uh, I was wondering what was your thought on the newbies, uh, the, uh, especially guys. Uh, I know the guy, there's there's three in the east, only one in the west. You know, we're primarily uh, you and I are, are really kind of focused on Southern Miss. But what did you think of the four new guys? I, I've just been so happy about the direction of the conference because, like, you had mentioned I've been covering the league long enough. I covered the first media day in New Orleans, Yikes. which was, like, 2012. <laughs> so to kind of give folks an idea of how long ago that was, Mario Cristobal was coaching FIU. Gus Malzahn was coaching Arkansas State. Uh-huh. And you had – it was, like, the final remnants of North Texas, Western Kentucky. So to kind of give folks an idea of how much – We'll start with that. Yeah. Sunbelt Media Day in 2012 was you were in downtown New Orleans. I think it was it was not the Sheridan. It was a different hotel. Downtown yeah. New Orleans, and you were in one essentially ballroom, oh, and you man. had everybody there in one spot. Yuck. And it was just different times and different coaches and different players would come in every single time. And so, so to see it grow from that, and it was really kind of couple beat writers and a. Literally a couple TV stations, and that was about it. So to see it grow from that to now this 14-team behemoth where it's logical and it all makes sense, where it's like, okay, it's a geographic footprint. You bring in teams, yes, that are from small college towns, but you've got some fan bases in them towns, in them regions. So bringing in a James Madison, a logical fit. You bring in a Southern Miss, and I covered – the Golden Eagles a little bit when I was in Jackson, Mississippi for four years. So I was pleased as punch when I heard the Golden Eagles were coming through because they were essentially a Sunbelt school trapped in Conference USA. Old Dominion folks will probably tell you the same thing too. So just to see how much the conference has grown and it being, you know, when I first covered the league, the belt wasn't also ran where it's essentially, if you didn't win the conference title, you were essentially in the wilderness. Absolutely. So now – the fact you have five and six bowl bids still blows my mind to this day. <laughs> See, Shane, Chris is like the sunbelt old man. <clears throat> who's, who's, You're not lying. <laughs> uh, but but kind of delving further with, with the new teams. I mean, the, the Duke's coming in, and I think I made this joke to uh, TJ Eck, I think it covers, covers the Dukes. I said mm-hmm. – Y'all never have to worry about flow sports ever again. ESPN Plus is a lifesaver. <laughs> you have no idea how the the uh, vitriol of flow sports around here. It's, and and yeah. the second I heard about it, and I was like, they really did this? Like, they really had a flow sports racket going on to, like, hose all these teams? I'm like, that's not cool. But then with the other teams joining with the East, uh, I mean, James Madison's going to compete right away. I'm not really – like the one wild card out of all the four that are coming in is Marshall. Because I could argue Marshall could win the East Division this year, and it wouldn't sound ridiculous. No. 
So yeah. of the four, like that's the one like Marshall could win the division year one. It like that's the team I'm kind of looking at like how Georgia Southern came in the league right away and won it, and everybody's like, what just happened? Like yeah. I can kind of see that with Marshall this year. Like I think me and Logan were kind of going through the media poll and we were kind of looking at us like who's ranked too high and who's ranked too low, and like. Marshall's the one team I circle Mike. They could win the division. It would not surprise me one bit. Yeah, Shane Granted, and I, the East is a bloodbath this year. Shane and I were talking earlier about Marshall. You were talking about who was the team that was going to surprise us most in terms of the newbies. You know, Shane made a good point. He was like, well, the you know, Marshall is is won't surprise. The, the the surprise for Marshall is that they're no good. But I think with the with the surprise from James see James Madison to me is one of those teams. That's the darkest force of all. Do they have FBS uh, speed and size to last the whole season? That's, to me, the big question. If they do, they're going to have a great season. If not, they're going to have to go back to the recruiting board and, and pick up that depth. Yeah, and, and the they've kind of already is... started. Yeah, they've kind of already started, like, adding guys from the transfer portal. I mean, one that A-State fans are familiar with is Jarius Romanique, yes. who played considerable minutes in the Sun Belt. So he already knows. He already has that Sun Belt mileage, so he kind of already knows what the Dukes are going to be getting into this fall. So, you know, seeing that, like, you're right, James Madison is another wild card where I've circled at least three teams in this league where I have no idea what they're going to do this year. James Madison is one of them. I have no idea. Like, they could go to a bowl game. Okay. They could have a losing season. Okay. I have no idea what they're going to do. Like, James Madison, I've kind of circled. I don't know with them. Southern Miss, I don't know, because they played everybody in creation at quarterback last year. <laughs> Absolutely. So you don't know who they're going to have, but you have a coach in Will Hall who's who can build. So they're not going to be terrible, but we don't know how good they're going to be. So we don't know with them. So that was a, that's another team I've circled. And I think the third one is Old Dominion, where they're coming in from Conference USA. You have – some name recognition there. They had some success in CUSA before coming over, but not too long ago, you had a COVID year, and ODU was one of the few D1 teams that didn't play. Yeah, they so you're just, wondering they, how much you're coming back. It's essentially year two from that, so you're wondering where are they. So those are the three programs in the conference I've kind of circled where I have no clue what they're going to do this year. I'm with you on those three. It, yeah, big question, big question marks for all three of those. I, yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, in fact, Old Dominion. It's been a joke on this show, Chris. Now we know absolutely nothing. We're <laughs> hoping Shane, with his his proximity towards Old, Old Dominion, could shed some light. He's like, I don't know who these guys are either. So we're gonna we're it's gonna be a nice thoughtful reveal once the uh, season starts and we finally figure out who the monarchs really are. Chris, we really it's the most it's no problem. It's gonna be the most clueless I've ever been going to an <laughs> Arkansas State conference opener. Like you go to Old Dominion. I have yeah. no idea what's gonna happen. What are you gonna show us? And hope, <laughs> hope for hope to God it's not a blowout situation. <laughs> Chris, thanks for coming to the show. I know that you guys have been very busy up in northeast Arkansas covering all the high school programs covering Arkansas State. We appreciate the coverage that Arkansas State gets, Chris, and we hope to have you on the show pretty soon. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. You know where to find me, so I'm, I'm always happy to talk All right. any way I can. All right. See you later, Hudge.
All right. Take care, y'all. Okay, Dusty. So this has been a pretty big show. We oh, had always a big okay. show. Yeah. Well, it's oh yeah, it's always a big show, but this show has been extraordinarily big. We had Coach Angie Hine from Old Dominion talking a little bit about soccer, which has been great. That's coming up. We've had Coach uh, Dustin Kearns from Appalachian State, a defend or well, not the the defending Sun Belt champion, but a defending Sun Belt champion for twenty. He has a title. Yeah, one of the best defensive teams I've ever seen in the Sun Belt. Definitely. And then we had our, our good friend Chris Hutchinson from Channel or, or from uh, uh, from KAIT in Jonesboro to discuss Red Wolves football. So it's really this might be the most jammed, packed with juicy information Fun Bell podcast we've ever had, Dusty. And once again, the East is dominating. Go figure. Yeah. Well, you know, one day the West will pick up. I I, I have hope for the West. So Dusty. Let us wrap this up with parting shots, maybe a a, a a plug. What what do you call it, Dusty? Plugs, promos, parting shots. Oh, yeah. Plugs, promos, parting shots. The three Ps. Dusty, what do you have for us? My parting shot, traveling this week for my professional job. Mm-hmm. I hate United. And I can say that because they're not a sponsor. Leaving Houston to go to good old Laredo, Texas. Somehow they missed the weather map where there was a huge tropical depression over Laredo. Yeah. Diverted us to San Antonio. Tried again the next day after spending a night in a hotel. Couldn't get to Laredo. Wound up in Corpus Christi, Texas. Spent the night. Finally made it to Laredo, Texas. And then they didn't have a rental car for us. Damn. It's been one of those weeks, Jeremy. Been one of those weeks. Coach Kearns talks about the indigestion that he has. Yeah. That, you know, he's having to drink beers to try to calm the nerves. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's enough beer in the world for me to calm my nerves. Well, you know, don't descend into 12-step program territory just for some bad for, – for a bad, bad flight experience. I want you sharp for the season, Dusty. We still got a couple of weeks. I, I, I got it. <laughs> oh man okay well my parting shot is also a bit of a plug dusty you're from the state of texas right you you live in texas i live in texas now have you heard of the global classico no ah well you're about to the global classico is a first ever cross nation football matchup between two college football teams we're going to see the Rams of Texas Wesleyan University. What Wesleyan? Is it Wesleyan? Texas Wesleyan University. Take on the Red Wolves of Mexico. Does that sound right? What? Hmm? Waiting for the punchline. That's the punchline. The Red Wolves are playing. On August 27th at the Classico, but it's the ASUCQ Red Wolves based in. I'm trying to I'm trying to say this right. I'm I'm delaying it because I always get it wrong. Queretaro, maybe? Queretaro? Queretaro, Mexico. But Arkansas State has a campus in Mexico, Queretaro. 
They have a football team, and they're crossing the border on August 27th for the Global Classico. And I invite everybody to go check it out, Google it, find out what it's all about. It's going to be really cool. They're going to have a big concert afterwards. If you get your $10 ticket to go, it's being held in Texas. Go ahead and go get to, go go see the concert. It's going to be a lot of uh you know sort of uh, uh Latino kind of Mexican influenced music. It's going to be a great time. So, so does does this team wear the the red and black? They do. They have their own take on the uniform. They have the red wolf on their helmets. They are known as the Red Wolves. They've been playing football for about two or three years now. I know almost nothing about the team. I own, I know nothing really about the program. A guy named Gerardo or Gerardo Guadino Garduño Garduño Coach Garduño is the coach, and uh, I am looking forward to seeing this game. I'm hoping they stream it. I, I I'm looking for streaming information, but uh, it's something that if you are in the Fort Worth area, you should go check it out. So Butch Jones is not pulling double duty on this game. As far as I know, Butch Jones will not be in attendance at that game. He will still probably be deep into his man cave, drawing up plays for the opening night with Grambling. But if he did show up, I think that would be really cool. I think it would be really cool if if maybe the entire Arkansas State team showed up. That would be great. A, a huge, a huge uh, show of support. For our brothers in Mexico. Fantastic. All right. So with well, that. That's another episode, Jeremy. I'm going to say adios. Edit that out, Dusty. Brilliant.